How do you open up a monogamous relationship? How do you find a sexually compatible partner at age 46? How do I deal with a closeted wife that just came out? From KCRW, it's How's Your Sex Life? And I am Maisha Battle. I'm here today with Ashley Ray of the Earwolf podcast TV, I Say. Hey, Ashley. Hi. How's it going? Good. I'm so happy to be here. I love talking about my sex life and sex lives in general. (laughs) Well, that is fantastic news because I have a question for you. How's your sex life? Pretty good right now, yeah. honestly. Well, I, I don't want to brag, but it's I'm in a I'm in a brag. Uh, yeah, I'm in a high right now. Good. Uh, you know, I met someone earlier this year, and we're hitting that. You know, we've been in a relationship like nine months, and mm. I feel like that's when you are like, oh, I'm comfortable with you completely. We can just like spend all Sunday doing weird sex stuff and getting to know each other. Yes, <laughs> and so I'm right in that honeymoon phase. <laughs> yes, you're in the sex honeymoon phase where like Sunday. Days still involve sex. Yeah. Um, you're not yeah. like going to brunch with friends and like <laughs> planning house projects. Yeah, it's I'm not like, like, can we just like sit quietly and work next to each other? I have so many things I need to get done for the week. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, sex is still exciting. We're getting to know each other and what we like. And so, yeah, good. I love that. Well, are you somebody that people go to for sex advice? Is that something that you're like yes. known for? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I've always been very open about sex in my writing and my comedy. Uh, And then I'm also polyamorous, so I'm always writing about that experience. Uh, I did a project this year called 52 First Dates, uh, where I went on a new date every year or every week for a year. Whoa. Uh, Just because, you know, I wanted to meet a lot of people. I'm, I'm poly, so it's easy to date a lot. Uh, and so I think because of that, friends have always like come to me to be like, he did this. Is this weird? Like, should I do this one? Like, what is she like? What? Are so I, I love it. OK, good. Um, well, you, you know that uh, I'm a sex coach yes. and the premise of the show is we do try to give advice to our listeners who write in. They have, you know, sexual quandaries, dating quandaries. It sounds like you are very well versed in these areas and are going to be able to provide a good perspective for I, I hope folks. so. I hope so. Yeah, you know, I've had a messy dating life. Same. A lot of ups, downs, engagements, uh, uh, you know, like... Engagements? Yeah, metamor- plural? plural. Like, it, it's been a lot. So I hope from that chaos, I can give guidance to others. I believe that you can. <laughs> yes. I believe in you. Um, well, you. Well, let's get to our first question. Hey, Maisha. How do you move from a monogamous relationship to an open relationship? Ooh. Opening up. Opening up. A very good book. You can read about this topic by Tristan Tormino. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I okay. met her in college. I have a signed copy. <laughs> I actually went to the feminist porn show that she oh hosted in New York. Yeah. yeah. In 2012, I want to say. 2013. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I will say that is the book that made me go from uh, a monogamous relationship with my fiance where I was engaged, my first engagement. uh, And we read that and decided to open our relationship up. This was about 10 years ago. And I've been polyamorous ever since, Mm. uh, which I think is kind of the first question. And that book is really good about is 
letting you know that there's a lot of different kinds of polyamory, open relationships. There's a lot of ways that can look. Uh, I think today, sometimes it gets so simplified where you look at TikTok and think polyamory means you have to have like two girlfriends, three boyfriends and a whole like, (laughs) you know, polycule that you all want to live together with. No, it doesn't have to be that way. You can have a primary and you two maybe just go swinging together once a month. There's so many ways. Uh, And that book does such, such a good job of just laying it all out that it is your journey. So I think, you know, before you open up, before you are both on those apps, letting everybody in, really know why you're doing this. What are your personal reasons for wanting to open up the relationship? Uh, And by that, I mean yours, your reasons, not your partner's. Don't don't if you're if one of you feels like you're pushing this more than the other, maybe that's a separate conversation of, hey, why? (laughs) Uh, But I think personally, you should have an idea of, you know, is it for me, it's that. I love relationships. I love being in love. I am not someone who really feels like jealousy. I love compersion. I love seeing my partner happy. Uh, I love knowing that like my partner has a tapestry of partners who support them that I'm like included with. Uh, So for me, that's like central in how I wanted to like express my love in the world and in my relationship styles. Uh, so, you know, ask yourself those questions. Is it about that? Is it about discovering more about your own sexuality, uh, you know, and what you want from a primary or, you know, what your monogamous relationship will be like? Because I think when people open up, they don't realize that that main relationship is going to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes people are like, we're just going to open up and nothing will change between us. Uh, and then the next thing you know, you're like, hey, it's Thursday. This is usually when we watch Grey's Anatomy together. You're not here. You're on some date. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, things have changed. Uh, so that's another part is really asking yourself what changes you're comfortable with. What are things you want to maintain? Is it, hey, we got to keep our Thursday night Grey's Anatomy dates. That's so important to me. Uh, before you rush in. Yeah, I've actually worked with couples who have come to me looking for support. And that's another thing I can offer is that books and reading are are great. And sometimes you may need a third party to help you sort of navigate this. It can be really helpful. And by third party, yes, I can be a paid professional, but it can also just be community. It can be, you know, you've actually started um, going to ethical non-monogamy meetups and you're talking with other people about the real day-to-day aspects of what non-monogamy looks like for them. Um, You know, that kind of reconnaissance can be really helpful. But when I work with my clients, um, yeah, sometimes it is, it is the thing that is the last sort of trial of their relationship before it ends. And I think that kind of does come back to your why question. You know, why are we doing this? Is it to, quote unquote, save the relationship because we've tried everything else and maybe this is the last thing that is the fix? Or is there something innate about who we are and the nature of our relationship that basically requires us to explore this and to really give it a go. And that will strengthen our relationship and our bond and our honesty and communication together. You know, I think that is an open relationship at its best is that you feel even more comfortable sharing, being open with the people you're seeing, because that's what it requires. If you're going to, polyamory is not about keeping secrets. (laughs) It is all about the ethical honesty and even being upfront about the things you don't want to know. Being unafraid to say like, I don't want to know if you go out with this person or this, or, you know, you can't date my friends or coworkers. 
having those tough conversations. And if you can't do that, you know, maybe you're using this as an escape, as a way to hide the real problem. Um, I do think a lot of people use polyamory as a way to get out of their relationships. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll just always be the case. You yeah, know? it's true. I uh, think that has it has been in an unethical way, and it yeah. can be in an ethical way Even too. Even in an ethical, yeah, I know people who have read every book, who like have all the perfect advice, and still meets they they met someone else and decided like, no, actually, I do want monogamy with this other person. And right, that happens, and I think that's also another just fear that a lot of people who open the relationships are are aware of and know could happen and frankly there's no answer to that like i you know that that's something where right now i'm dating someone who has like a primary and at any point he could be like my primary doesn't want me to see you anymore and you don't have that control uh so you have to be comfortable with things like that when you I mean, if you're in a solo poly or poly relationship where you don't have a primary uh and on the other side if you're opening your relationship what kind of people are you dating? What kind of people are your partners dating? Because <laughs> you two might have every agreement and rule in the world, but if your partner's going out and dating someone who wants a, a, a child, a house with someone, and they've decided your partner is their partner now, uh, that's something you're also going to have to think about. Like, do you only date other poly people who are in relationships? Do you only date people who are looking for casual relationships and you don't ever take it like up that es- the relationship escalator? Uh, you know, because th- that, that can be the tough part. <laughs> it can be. And I think that's a lot of um, the, I guess, confusion for folks because when they imagine what opening their relationship might be, they have this the one vision. Um, and they, like you said, may spend a lot of time on relationship agreements. So I'm hearing from you, you're, you're pro relationship agreements. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you get the relationship agreement because even, you're not going to find have an answer for everything. You're not going to talk through every scenario that will come up. But having an initial guideline will let you know down the line when things do come up because they will. If your partner has like a metamor that they've been seeing and say they've been together now six, seven months and now they're saying to each other, you know, to each other, we want to stop using protection. We are just seeing each other. Are you as the primary okay with that? Is that something that you talked about in your agreement beforehand? Do they know that's something they would have to run by you? Is it not something they have to run by you? Those are things you're going to want to figure out because it's going to come up, you know. And I think one of my (laughs) steadfast rules now is I don't date inexperienced poly couples or people who are inexperienced in polyamory. Uh, which for me as a solo poly person is just more beneficial because I like I don't have a primary for me it's like I don't want to date some couple that just like you know read at the ethical slut last week (laughs) and is like we started a field profile we want to talk to you hi You know, I like to talk to date people who like have been doing it for a few years, who have been in the lifestyle, who know the kind of terminology. Uh, but I think as a couple opening up, you can find those people. Like you said, at poly meetups, you can find solo poly women, people who are in relationships where they date other people who have that experience and are happy to guide you. Like that is the thing. It is a poly community, truly. Like I have not been in any other, I would say, 
community that is as supportive and similar to this uh, that is so like relationship and sex focused uh, in a way where, you know, you go to these meetups and you will make friends who, you know, will be your friends for life who you can text and be like, oh, I don't know about this person I'm seeing. Like, we have great sex, but blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I would say don't be afraid to form those friendships to go out and actually do it because they're going to be the people who show you like the realities of the lifestyle, who like can warn you about people in the scene where you live or, you know, if, hey, this guy like perpetually lies about to his wife about such and such. Those are things, honestly, you have to know and be yes. aware of because yes. I am telling you there are like so many like poly and not to gender, but like husbands or people who are going to be unethical. Poly shady. Poly shady, who want to mm. take advantage of like you and your new exploration in this world. So don't be afraid to like find someone who like you can be under their wing, who you can, you know, if there's someone whose relationship you admire and their relationship style, that you can ask questions. Um, and even if you don't have like poly meetups where you live, there are so many online communities now. Just so, so many, so many, <laughs> so many people on poly TikTok uh, who are presenting, I think, positive examples of what polyamory can look like. Uh, but I, I think it does require a lot more reading conversation than people realize. Uh, and I think people want it to be as simple as like, hey, we opened up, we downloaded our apps and here we go. Uh, but, you know, really ask yourself what you value in your relationship and how you are going to strengthen it and protect it through this new relationship style. Mm. In our chat, you just dropped a couple terms that might need um, some defining. So first off, compersion. What is that? So compersion is sort of the opposite of jealousy. Uh, it's when it makes you feel good to see your partner feel good to experience things. It's It doesn't even just have to be a partner. It can be friends. When my friends win, I get so happy. Uh, so it, it's sort of seen in polyamory circles as what you should hope to attain in your relationship is compersion. Obviously, you will still deal with jealousy. Jealousy is still valid and very real. Uh, but when you work through that jealousy, it can open itself up to compersion where you sort of come out on the other end understanding, you know, why your partner needs this, how it benefits both of you. And then hopefully there's there's joy in that. And what about metamors? Metamors are your partner's partners. <laughs> uh, so you're going to have your primary. Uh, you'll start dating people. Those will be your primary's metamors. If they start dating people, those are your metamors. Uh, how a metamor relationship works, again, is totally up to you. Uh, some people don't want to know anything about their partner's metamors. They don't want to talk to them, don't want to know their names. Uh, and some people have very close connections with their metamors. They see it as a secondary community or family. Uh, you know, they'll go to the movies together, have picnics, uh, all hang out as a group, even if those metamors aren't dating each other. Uh, so I think that is a difference. <laughs> a lot of people think polyamory is just some harem or you have like tons of sister wives uh, or sister husband or brother husbands. Uh, but no, metamors can simply be friends who all support the person they love. I love it. Yeah, we just dropped a bunch of resources for this yeah. listener. <laughs> that was a lot. So <laughs> let me recap. So we have Tristan Termino's Opening Up, which I recommend to clients Incredible. all the time. You also mentioned The Ethical Slut, which is basically like the Bible of polyamory yes. and open relationships. Um, we have talked about ethical non-monogamy and polyamory meetups. They're everywhere. Yeah. Poly TikTok, 
resources galore uh, there. Um, and just, I mentioned Field, oh, the dating field, app for yeah. poly people. They also do events now. Oh, great. Uh, so like in yes. major cities, New York, Chicago, L.A., uh, they're doing like comedy shows, like open like bars for people. So another great meetup opportunity. Yes. You need community and you need to be talking to your partner about what it is that excites you about opening up your relationship. What excites them? What are your fears? And then, of course, we talked about creating those relationship agreements. That is it's a starting point and it's a working document. Yes. So this is just to help you to establish the sort of lay of the land and, you know, how the two of you are going to take care of yourselves in this process but things are going to change yeah and you're going to need to revise this as new challenges arise so good luck out there yeah good luck yeah let us know i want to hear back from this person um once they have made strides towards opening their relationship and see if our our tips help them This has been so great, Ashley, and I want to continue chatting after the break. I also want to remind folks that you can submit a question to us at sexlife at kcrw.org. We have another question that I think you're really going to like. How do you find a sexually compatible partner at age 46? Dating in your 40s is insane. Mm. Yeah, so I have a lot of clients in their 40s. And I'm just going to lay out some of the unique challenges that I see with people who are in their 40s. Like, number one, they've already fucked around and found out. You know, they have life experience. They know what they want. But oftentimes, I think people in their 40s aren't as well-versed in, like, how people are dating now. So they're like how do I apply my kind of like no nonsense? Like I already have a life established. Like I just need somebody to seamlessly kind of like integrate into my life. Uh, How do I, you know, square that with like all the fuckery of dating apps and still keep my sanity? Yeah. The other unique challenge, and I don't think it's like so unique, but I think it's more likely in your forties is that, you know, you're perhaps divorced, Um, you maybe have kids. So navigating that as well, I think is a unique challenge to this stage of life. So this question asker didn't provide much context, but those are the kinds of things that I think are generally harder the older that you get. What I'm going to say here is I actually think the first thing you said here is a benefit. And I'll say I have dated a lot of 40-year-olds. I've been dating 40-year-olds since I was a 20-year-old. Okay. All right. Speak on <laughs> I, it. I, I've always just kind of dated older and been attracted to older people. Uh, but there is something, I, now I'm 32, and like I've dated a lot of people who are 40 plus, And I love it because they know what they want. Uh, because they aren't as tied to sort of modern dating notions that are guided mostly by apps where they're like what is hookup hookup culture is this a situationship how do we define this blah 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 twitter says like if you take me to cheesecake factory you don't really love me and you don't deal with that (laughs) when you are in your 40s so i think that can be a benefit that you know you have this different perspective there are people who want that uh in their 30s and probably don't date 20 somethings i did date up but it mostly doesn't work out but i think there are people out there who you know are tired of the dating apps and and are excited about that but the second point is a lot harder i think 
it can often be like the beginning stages of that midlife crisis. I've dated a lot of dudes in like their 40s who, you know, had super religious periods in their 20s and 30s. And now they feel like, oh, I have to like make up for time I lost. Like I'm 40. What's happening? I have to get out there, do this, or my life should be like this. And I think it's a time when people are coming face to face with like the fact if if they haven't achieved the life they want, that they might not be happy with it. so I find that to be kind of the issue, at least as a younger person, where I'm just like, chill. <laughs> yes. Like, can we just, like, date and have a chill time? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Like, last night I was watching TV and I saw an ad for a dating app for single parents. Ooh. And I I mean, number one, I, like, never watch, like, TV. <laughs> so I don't get fed these ads that are just, like, for everybody. Um, but I wanted to share that. It's called Stir. Oh. And, well, like you know, that. it's not an endorsement, but I just wanted to put it out there for people who are navigating dating as, you know, a single parent. And you're like, who's going to want to deal with this? Um, you know, a lot of people think that this makes them less dateable. Yeah. But obviously, if there's a whole app for it, there are people that are looking for that, either because they are also single parents or because... They don't want children of their own, but they're okay co-parenting. So, you know, these are options for somebody who, you know, is maybe, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, it's hard to meet people in real life now. Yeah. (laughs) So if you have to go on an app, I say pick one that, you know, is for you and is is about your your lane. Yeah, that's how I met my partner, Field, which is for like, you know, solo poly queer people of, of all colors and whatever. Uh, and that's, you know, where I could find people who spoke my language. Mm. Uh, and I think the person asked about like how you find someone who you can be like sexually compatible with in that, at that age. And I mean, most of the 40 somethings I know when it comes to sex, they don't want that awkward phase. They don't want that. Like, (laughs) do you know what you like? They want to start at that honeymoon phase of like, we're comfortable with each other. Let's get into our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I think you find that if you are just get starting at it on an app or in a place where the barriers are coming down, where it's like, I see what you want. I see what I want. You have a kid. This is where we're at in life. Like, this is what we're looking for. And I think if you just start on like a hinge or Tinder, when you're swiping through people who are like, I don't know, I just came out of a breakup. I then <laughs> is you're wasting so much time. hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Well, I think we gave this person some good places to start a little empowerment. Yeah. Like, listen, you know, there's pros and cons to your situation and play up your strengths, yeah. you know, go to a place where, you know, you're going to find connections that are going to work for you. And we have one final question that I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to go on a deep dive with you on this one. Um, so let's let's hear it. How do I deal with a closeted wife that just came out? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. So my first response to this, hearing it, is my brain goes right to the deal with. Um, because when I think of a partner coming out in a relationship and I have worked with couples who one partner is coming out maybe later in life um, as a different orientation than they currently have with their partner. Right. Um, That's something that I help support the couple with and guide them through. I think that dealing with kind of means that you're struggling through it, trying to fix it, 
and, you know, handling the situation as best you can, grinning and bearing, you know? (laughs) And I think that there's so much more to this where I think we could open it up a little bit to say, how can you support your partner as they reveal a deeper layer of themselves to you? Because that's what it is. And I, I think of it as such an honor and a privilege and, and try to help my clients see that, like, there must be something in the relationship where they feel comfortable enough or they've gotten to a point with you where they feel it's time to share who they are authentically are yeah. with you. And they're, they're strong enough in their personhood to recognize that, maybe deal with some internalized homophobia or whatever is going on for them, you know, this question asker doesn't say what this, what their partner came out as, but very common for someone to have deeply seated homophobia internalized that, you know, just the fact that they're sharing this with you and saying, this is who I am. That's such a gift in my opinion. So I'll pause there and just get your like first thoughts. Yeah, I absolutely agree and can understand how difficult that is. Um, I have, sort of seen that and been on the other end of it you know part of dating couples who open their relationships is a lot of times they're opening their relationships because the woman wants to explore that feeling of dating other women a few months later she's realizing a lot more <laughs> so this is something i i've seen and experienced but i think with what you said the support what really kind of resonates with me is when my mom turned 63 she came out of the closet Uh, And this was after a lifetime of homophobia, of trying to send me to conversion camp because I knew I was queer at a very young age. Uh, And so at my shock, it's the shock of at this age of you, (laughs) after everything you put me through. uh, And I can maybe see for this person who has been married to this person that for you, it's like we've been married, everything we've been through. And now this, like, was it all a lie? What was, you know, and I I think it's normal to go through those questions and to uh think about yourself and what it means for you uh but in that moment with my mom you know it it made a lot of things make sense I started to sort of understand the way she treated me was because she was dealing with this internalized homophobia so I think you you know look at the way that Maybe not so much, you know, things have been internalized or turned against you, but understand your partner has been struggling with this for a long time, probably. Uh, that that doesn't mean the love that they had for you is suddenly fake or false or different. You know, I suddenly understood my mom came at me that way because of a deeper love and fear that she had, you know, that she had hidden the fact that she was gay for so long because she thought she'd be persecuted for it and she didn't want me to deal with that too that's where it came from for her uh so you know for me it was understanding that working through it and then I could come to this place of wanting to love and support her and understanding how hard that must have been for her Mm -hmm. to have to deal with that uh and you know my and I was just living my life so (laughs) but you know, it, it took a lot for me to go, okay, I, I see that you have had to really work through this internally. Uh, and to see someone do that, it, all you really want to do is support them. It's like you found this new you. Uh, all I can do is is hug you and not throw this in your face. Uh, and, you know, so then I, I became very supportive of my mom, like, you know, helping her get to know all the LGBTQ stuff she needed to know. Uh, but... 
I, I think it can be just really shocking. I think it's valid to accept that, process it. Uh, but, you know, I didn't feel a need to take that out on my mom. Um, and I understand like a part, a husband, a wife, a partner is very different. You have a very different dynamic than my mom and I. Uh, and there's obviously going to be romantic issues of, hey, so what does this all meant? But, you know, it's understanding sexuality is this fluid thing. It doesn't mean that what you had is any less valid. Um, it's just changing now. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing that about your mom. And I hope that that experience has brought you closer, ultimately. It did, yeah. And, you know, I would say from the couples that I've dated who've experienced this, uh, I find, like, the best outcome is they remain friends. It's very possible to remain friends, to have some sort of partnership still. Uh, You know, there may be that fear of, like, am I losing you forever? And it doesn't have to be that way. I agree. I I actually have worked with um, two couples for whom the male partner or heterosexual couple, the male partner came out as bisexual during the marriage. And this is like deep into the marriage for one of them and pretty early on in the marriage for the other. Um, In one instance, they've opened the marriage to include other men and they play together. Um, Just recently, it's been kind of a transition and, and we've worked together really closely to like allow him to start seeing people in independent of yeah. his wife. And that's, I mean, he acknowledges every day that like the love that he has from his wife is why he gets to do this. You know, he's exactly. former Navy. <laughs> and so, you know, is from an environment where this would have never been you know, yeah, accepted. like accepted or considered. Yeah. And I love that way of putting it. Like I get to do this because I love you. Yeah. You yeah. know, and there's a, a reality here where your wife comes out and gets to still love you and explore. And, you know, everything's on the table. I, I think like we jump so quickly to labels and it's like, well, you're gay now. So you don't want me. And it's like, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> right. right. If, if, you know, everything is on a spectrum, then, you know, gayness is on a spectrum. Heterosexuality is on a spectrum. And to that end, the other couple that I work with, um, they actually have chosen not to open their relationship and may never open their relationship, but they have created space for the idea that they are in a queer marriage. Like, yeah. This is no longer a heterosexual marriage because one of the people <laughs> is identifying as queer. So, you know, it's, it's, I think, really good to think about these nuanced ways that, and, and it's hard, I will yeah. say, that like, you know, you're, you're a straight man and you married a woman. So, boom. But uh, I think that there's a way in which this person can start to shift their idea of like, how do I make space for my wife's identity in this marriage, this may include, you know, involving other people, or this may just be something that internally we just recognize and we make sure that, you know, she's acknowledged and she feels whole in yeah. this relationship. And feels supported. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I also think it can come back a lot to community. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, supporting your wife and going to LGBTQ meetups, uh, you know, supporting her if she wants to go to lesbian bars and like see what the scene is like. Uh, just like I, I say, give the freedom to express that, to explore, to see what it is she really wants. Mm-hmm. Ugh, great. I mean, yeah, I, I think that there's so much to look forward to 
um, at this point in their marriage. Um, not all of it is going to be fun and easy, of course. Some of it's going to be really scary. Yeah. But know that you're both scared, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and know that you both deserve support. Yeah. So seeing an individual therapist who can help you to process your feelings about this is probably a good idea at this point. Um, they may also want to seek out counseling with somebody who is affirming of yeah. their orientation. And couples counseling is also something that can really help the two of you to talk more productively about this. Yeah. Because it's new. It's a new, it's a new sort of threshold that you're passing through with each other. And I think there is, again, a lot on the other side to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much, Ashley, for joining me today. I could not have picked a better guest for (laughs) this episode. (laughs) Uh, You are a wealth of knowledge in these areas. So (laughs) these question askers should feel honored. Yes. I am happy my messy polyamorous life (laughs) can be of use to people. (laughs) That's something else I think people should recognize is like when you dare to go there, like you get a lot of knowledge. Knowledge, experience. You will have stories. You will have stories and you will have a lot of wisdom. Yes. So I appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us today. Where would you like people to find you? Either on the internet or in person? Yeah, you can follow me at the Ashley Ray uh, on all platforms. I do stand-up comedy where I talk a lot about polyamory. So if you want to come enjoy that, uh, check my website out. Check my Instagram out at the Ashley Ray for any shows. Uh, And you can listen to TV I Say every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, We talk about all things television and some poly shows. I mean, we're watching Sister Wives over there. So (laughs) Uh, so I would not say to look for any sort of poly guidance from. (laughs) Okay, but I also saw you talked about The Golden Bachelor and I just think The Bachelor is a raving endorsement for polyamory. It really is. It's, yeah. And especially with, if you're older, if you're like, how am I finding love at 60? Maybe you got to try a different relationship style and it's, five women going on a date with one man <laughs> he falls in love with multiple women it is teased he does we will see what he happens does. every episode he's like i truly think i'm in love with her and it's like he really is he's a sweetheart i know and like why would you deny yourself of that at this age come right? on yeah. first polly bachelor first Polly. do bachelor. it do it bachelor <laughs> bachelor nation you hear me <laughs> all right thanks so much ashley oh thank you yay How's Your Sex Life is a KCRW original podcast. Our producer is Andrea Bautista. Our executive producer is Gina Delvac. Our engineer is Nick Lamponi. Our music was created by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Special thanks to John Meek, Natalie Hill, Connie Alvarez, Megan Ellingbow, Arnie Seipel, and Jennifer Farrow. And last but not least, a huge thanks to our voice actors. I'll let them say goodbye in their own voices. This is Carrie Prince. Thanks for listening. This is Celine Mandiola. Follow the show and share with a friend. This is Christian Bordal. See you next time for another episode of How's Your Sex Life. <laughs>